It's Monday, July the 27th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, the pandemic accelerates and America's protests turn grimmer. First, the world in brief. As the number of confirmed cases of COVID-19 globally hit 16 million with nearly 650,000 fatalities, the World Health Organization warned that there will be no return to the old normal. In a sign that the spread of the disease is accelerating, more than a million new infections were reported in just four days. Almost 40 countries reported record single-day increases in cases over the weekend. Several countries, including Britain and Norway, reimposed quarantine on travellers from Spain after a surge of new infections in Catalonia. TUI, Europe's largest tour operator, cancelled all holidays on the Spanish mainland for the next fortnight. Meanwhile, El País, a newspaper, calculated that Spain's death toll from COVID-19 is probably 60% higher than the official figure of 28,432. Crowds gathered in Chengdu, southwestern China, to give America's consulate there a less than fond farewell. China closed the mission in retaliation for America's shutting down of the Chinese consulate in Houston, which America came to regard as a hotbed of espionage. The Chengdu mission had covered a vast swathe of China, including Tibetan regions where it kept an eye on human rights abuses. Tropical Storm Hannah hit the coast of Texas as a Category 1 hurricane, threatening to cause havoc in an area of America already hit hard by the pandemic. More than 283,000 homes and businesses lost electricity as a result of the storm. The governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, issued a disaster declaration for 32 counties in Hannah's path. Somalia's parliament ousted the troubled country's prime minister, Hassan al-Kaire, in a vote of no confidence. His defenestration comes amid a tussle between Mr. Kaire and the president, Mohamed Abdullahi Mohamed, over elections due in February next year. The prime minister had insisted they go ahead. The president favoured postponement because of security worries. Black Lives Matter protests continued in cities across the world. One person was killed when shots were fired during a demonstration in Austin, Texas. In Portland, Oregon, there were clashes between protesters and federal troops. But some demonstrations planned for this week in Australia were halted by a court order due to police worries that the gatherings could spread COVID-19. And just before North Korea's Victory Day, authorities locked down a border town. It comes as the regime announced the country's first case of COVID-19, a migrant who had reportedly crossed illegally from the south. It is likely to have a much larger outbreak than it admits. The acknowledgement may be a plea for help from abroad to combat the disease. And now here's today's agenda. Fed up. Federal police in American cities. Last month, President Donald Trump signed an executive order authorizing federal law enforcement officers to assist in the protection of federal property against anarchists and left-wing extremists. In Portland, Oregon, federal officers dispersed protesters with tear gas and rubber bullets and pulled unarmed demonstrators off the streets, shoved them into unmarked vans and drove them to undisclosed locations. Federal police have been sent to Seattle and Kansas City too. Chicago, Detroit and Albuquerque could be next. All are run by Democratic mayors. William Barr, the Attorney General, announced that federal agents will help combat violent crime, traditionally the role of state and local police. Some suspect that Mr Trump, trailing his Democratic rival Joe Biden in most polls, wants to stoke rather than quell unrest, the better to run a law and order campaign. In 1967-1968, when America last faced such widespread unrest, President Lyndon Johnson sent federal forces to pacify American cities. But then, unlike now, local officials had asked for them. 
Yet another Brexit blockage. UK-EU trade talks. Informal negotiations between Britain and the European Union continue this week, ahead of a formal session in mid-August. After a summit in June, the aim had been to agree upon broad principles for a trade deal by the end of July, but this goal has now been abandoned. Serious differences persist, especially over the EU's insistence on level playing field conditions to prevent Britain undercutting social, labour and environmental standards, over rules for state subsidies and over EU access to British fishing waters. Both sides hint that compromises could yet be struck in September, but fears that any concession would simply be pocketed by the other side mean neither is ready to be the first to give ground. Since Britain has vetoed an extension of the current standstill transition beyond the end of the year, a negotiating crunch looms in October. The risk of Britain leaving on December 31st with no trade deal in place remains high. Unfinished business. North Korea's Victory Day. North Korea today celebrates Victory Day, marking the armistice that halted hostilities in the Korean War of 1950-1953. Mass spectacles are likely in the capital Pyongyang. It was of course no victory but a stalemate in a bloody war. The legacy is a divided Korean peninsula. In the north, history is in service not to truth but to the dynastic dictatorship under King Jong-un. Another lie is that the war was started by American imperialists and their South Korean puppets rather than by the north invading South Korea. In 2018, in a brief détente, Mr Kim and his South Korean counterpart, President Moon Jae-in, agreed to sign a peace treaty at last. But Mr Kim has since grown truculent again. On an upbeat note, the despot's favourite all-girl group, the Moran Bong Band, which is likely to perform today, is to get new members. In a process overseen by Mr Kim's sister, newcomers must be at least 165cm tall and ideologically sound. Unfairness Creams India's Cosmetic Giants A woman having a rough time at work faces casual insults from her colleagues about her brown skin. She switches to the latest fairness cream and magically transforms herself into an overachiever. Another woman uses the product to improve her marriage prospects. In their television commercials, consumer goods giants often peddle cosmetics that promote insecurity among the darker skinned in India. Amid protests and accusations of racism, Hindustan Unilever, an Indian subsidiary of the Anglo-Dutch behemoth, earlier this month dropped the word fair from its fair and lovely skin cream. The company rebranded it as glow and lovely for women and glow and handsome for men. The firm said its older advertisements were not aligned with current values of the brand. Today, Imami, an Indian conglomerate, will claim in court to have used the glow and handsome name a week before Hindustan Unilever rebranded its products. This legal battle in a crowded market worth $670 million a year promises to be a beauty. What a state. Duterte addresses the Philippines. Today, President Rodrigo Duterte delivers his annual State of the Nation address to a socially distanced Congress. His nation is in a similar state to many others. Haphazard efforts to curb the COVID-19 pandemic have crippled the economy, hitherto among the fastest growing in Asia. The occasion is a chance to lay out a plan for economic recovery. The president's main virtue is that he tends to leave matters he is ignorant about, such as economics, to his ministers. A clue to whether the economic recovery plan he presents will be up to snuff will be the address's length. If Mr Duterte's speech is brief and cogent, it will have been written by an underling, and therefore may contain some sound economics. But if it is one of his usual rambling, foul-mouthed monologues, much of it improvised, expect business confidence to take a hit. 
Finally, here's the quote of the day from Alexandre Dumas, who was born on July 24th, 1802. Private misfortunes must never induce us to neglect public affairs. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.